Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Hurricane Ida, one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana. Is devastation. A drone strike in Kabul. Very actively working. With a looming deadline. And get out of Afghanistan. This is the most dangerous time. The chance of another 9-11 just went through the roof. We're going to need that third dose. You're requiring math. Being able to choose what's best for our kids. This is far from over. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views, Tom and Benny and Clark and you, and uh, a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, the news out of Afghanistan doesn't get any better. The Pentagon announced just a few minutes ago that all U.S. troops have now departed from Afghanistan. I thought yesterday, I thought tomorrow was the last day, right? But everybody's yeah. gone now. Well, let's see. Uh, the 31st. What, that's it, tomorrow. It, is that our time or is it their time? Oh, well, because maybe that's it. Yeah. Eight hours yeah. forward. Uh, is that right? Eight and a half hours. So maybe they uh, maybe they actually left on the 31st. I have to check the clocks. Anyway, they're gone. And um, not, not good. Uh, remember what this cut one. Remember what Jen Psaki said just last week. First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. <laughs> yeah. I sure hope Peter Ducey has that uh, quote ready for <laughs> tomorrow. So uh, Saki said today that she couldn't give an exact estimate of how many Americans remained in the country, though a senior State Department official said it was uh, below 250. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've got a bunch of stories here that say, mm, well, most of the stories say we don't know. And, I mean, their math is... Really interesting. I, I mean, this it's the kind of math that a flunky seventh grader would get a uh, D minus on. The uh, I, mean, I mean, you hear all these numbers. Oh, there's five thousand, but we've gotten fifteen hundred in, so there's somewhere there's two hundred and fifty left. Uh, who knows how many are over there? Maybe they're using Democrat election math. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> um, it's you know, you wish you could laugh, but it's uh, mm. it's so sickening. Uh, there, there's another story here. I can't really verify the source, but one story here saying that just out today that seven busloads of American citizens could not get into the airport. Uh, it, it's a mess. Meanwhile, family members and lawmakers representing North Carolina on the state level and the federal level are mourning the deaths of a Marine and a soldier who died in a terrorist attack that happened at the airport. Sergeant Nicole Gee of Sacramento, California, was stationed at Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, 23 years old. Uh, Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus of uh, Tennessee, Corrington, Tennessee, uh, lost his life. His grandmother was saying, told to the Daily Beast, you know, she thought they were all the Marines. You know, she said, that we're praying for the families that lost their Marines thinking it was all the Marines, you know, it was just exclusively Marines, and that was the initial report that came out. 
uh, that were killed in that attack at the uh, Cabal airport. And it turns out, indeed, there was this um, one uh, young army uh, soldier who uh, was their grandson, lost his life as well. So very sad. Uh, Greg Murphy said he released on Friday, Sergeant Key's bravery, empathy, patriotism, and unwavering commitment to others will never be forgotten. Her willingness to put herself in harm's way to protect her country is the most selfless act one can commit, and words are not enough to convey our gratitude. Uh, Congressman Hudson said, Renee and I join our country in praying for the family of Staff Sergeant Ryan Nouse, including his wife in Pine Bluff and his extended family in Tennessee and Florida. Virginia Fox, who represents the 5th District, said the loss of American service members in Afghanistan and the nature of those lost has shaken the country to its core. To its core, rather, Fox said Tom and I are praying for every service member on the ground in Afghanistan and family members of the fallen and the Americans who were stranded. She went on to say it should never have gotten to this point. The failures of Biden and his administration cannot be overstated. The Biden administration seems blinded by the notion of making these next few days of our nation's last in Afghanistan and in doing so some of the worst in our modern history. Uh, it is um, it is mind-boggling what's going on because now there's a story out that from the Washington Free Beacon trying to, uh, no, I'm sorry, the, 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 there is a story out from the Washington Free Beacon. The one I want to cover first is out of Politico. Uh, Politico has released a bombshell story obtained through a confidential source at the Pentagon and it's angering top military officials. I mean, this is really interesting because we're having some uh, lower tier members of the military. Some might be civilian employees. Others are members of the military that are now questioning their superiors. Mm -hmm. And when I say superiors, they're questioning the ones at the very top. Um, The informant gave to Politico copies of detailed notes from three conference calls that showed military brass. And Politico, by the way, is not a conservative right-wing rag. It is considered middle of the road at best, middle of the road to left. Mm -hmm. The informant gave to Politico copies of detailed notes from three conference calls that showed military brass knew that a deadly attack was coming 24 hours before the suicide bomb at Cabal Airport was Uh, set off, and they were unable to stop it. Politico reported, speaking from a secure video conference room on the third floor of the Pentagon at 8 a.m. Wednesday or 4.30 p.m. in Cabal, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin instructed more than a dozen of the department's top leaders around the world to make preparations for an imminent mass casualty event, according to classified detailed notes of the gathering shared with Politico. During the meeting, General Mark Milley, the chair of the chief joints of staff uh, warned of significant intelligence indicating that the Islamic State's Afghanistan affiliate, ISIS-K, excuse me, was planning a complex attack. The notes quoted him as saying, commanders calling in for cabal relayed that the Abbey Gate where American citizens have been told to gather in order to gain entrance to the airport was the highest risk and detailed their plans to protect the airport. Later that day, officials on another call decided to close the Abbey Gate by the afternoon. The closing plan was stalled when it was decided to leave the gate open to allow British allies to continue evacuating their personnel through that gate. 
The, del- the delay was a deadly mistake. A suicide bomber entered Abbey Gate around 6 p.m. on Thursday, detonated a bomb that killed almost 200 people, including 13 military personnel. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby had no statement to make about why the gate closure was delayed so long after the recommended deadline, but did take the time to criticize the press for digging into what happened leading up to the deadly attack. So they're not upset with those people who did not follow the information that they received and they should have closed the gate. They're not upset with that. John Kirby's upset that the press has reported on it. Mm-hmm. And they reported on it after the fact. I mean, he goes on to say, well, this is putting military people in danger. How's it putting them in danger? What's putting them in danger is not following the information, the intelligence that they had on hand. And the only thing they're doing, the only thing he's worried about is, you know, he, he goes, he says. Optics. Yeah, exactly. He wants to prevent Joe Biden from looking like the nincompoop that he is. He said, this story is based on the unlawful disclosure of classified information and internal deliberations of a sensitive nature. Um, As soon as we became aware of the material divulged to the reporter, we engaged Politico at the highest levels to prevent the publication of information that would put our troops and our operations at the airport at greater risk. No, you just wanted to keep from looking like what you are. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, now, now we knew it was preventable. I mean, had Joe Biden not shut down Bagram Air Force Base, and uh, had he, but beyond that, had had they listened to this intelligence? But you know, you know why they were so anxious to try to get everybody out of there by the thirty first. That was the key. The date he refused to extend the date. He refused to push it back. Got to get out there by the 31st. Therefore, we're going to rush everything through. Therefore, we have 200 people dead and 13 of our military dead. Well, just remember, um, overly concerned with the political optics is what caused um, our ambassador in Libya (laughs) to be killed, as well as several other servicemen in Libya. And let's see, who was in charge back then? Well, Barack Obama was president, Joe Biden vice president, Hillary Clinton secretary of state at the time. Um, I mean, same issue. You're too worried about, I mean, you put political handcuffs on our military advisors. And, you know, there's been a back and forth. You know, Joe Biden's claiming that his generals recommended that they abandon Bagram Air Force Base. Mark Milley generals, Lloyd Austin generals. Well, with the constraints that they gave them in number number of people and when they had to get people out. That was their only choice because they wanted to, you know, yeah. they wanted to protect the embassy. They couldn't, they couldn't protect the embassy and protect the air force base with the number of troops they had. So, you know, Biden's a guy at the top. He's the one that made the decision. Uh, oh, you, know, yeah. you get credit for, you get credit for the successes. You should uh, take the hit for the failures. Hadn't done that. No, hadn't done that. And you know, I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm. I, I'm a nobody in this great debate, but I have said all along, why did we shut down that Air Force base? I mean, I said that back when Trump was talking about getting out and shutting down. Why don't we keep that Air Force base there? It's strategically located. It's strategic to Iran, to uh, to Pakistan, to Russia, to China. And and yet we were so anxious to get out of there after we had invested billions. It's, it just, it's mind-boggling 
what these politicians will invest in. And I mean, we're, we're talking about lives right now that are lost. But I mean, we're talking about trillions of dollars that these people just blow away like it's no big deal. Yeah, and the, you know, the military brass for the last eight months since President Biden's been in office, as well as how many people in Washington has focused on this nonsense, quote-unquote, insurrection in Washington where we send, what, 25,000 troops to Washington and we think we're going to you know, uh, keep the Taliban at bay with uh, 2,500 troops? <laughs> I mean, good grief. But, but how, many, how many troops... You're stationing these troops all over the world anyway. I mean, and Bagram was a huge facility. That well, and it was secure. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kabul Airport is a uh, commercial airport, civilian airport. So getting back to the Washington Free Beacon, the top Republican member of the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations demanded the Biden administration address a report that U.S. military commanders block a group of 25 American citizens from entering the Cabal airport. Now, this might be related to that uh, story we mentioned earlier about busloads of American citizens that couldn't get through. Former um, Force Recon Marine Chad uh Robichal, I guess is how you pronounce it, told the Daily Caller News Foundation that his nonprofit um, organization had organized bus transportation to the airport for 100 Christians, 300 orphans, and 25 American citizens early Thursday morning. This would be last Thursday. But when the evacuees arrived at the airport, he said a military commander made a scene and made the evacuees leave the airport. He really created a scene with us, did not like what we were doing and how we were doing, and actually made the people get back on the bus, put them outside the gate, and essentially sent them back off into the hands of the Taliban. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, the ranking Republican member of the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, expressed shock that a military official would block American citizens from entering the Kabbalah airport in a Friday letter sent to the Departments of Defense and State. It's hard to believe that any U.S. military official would deny Americans the ability to evacuate Afghanistan, Johnson said in the letter. What generalized or specific order was given to the commander that caused him to take this alleged action? Where did this originate? Johnson also demanded the Biden administration address what actions have been taken to locate the American citizens um, that the bus was allegedly turned away from uh, when when they turned the buses away from the airport. Uh, I mean, is this just because and there's all kinds of stories out over the last couple of days how what the American government, the Biden administration and the American government and military aren't doing. You've got private citizens and members of Congress doing. I mean, they're 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 going through. They're apparently looking at satellite imagery. They're telling people how they can get to the airport, how they can get around certain people. I mean, it's fascinating to me that they can even get to the information to to pass on to these people on the ground but they're doing what are what the biden administration refuses to do mm-hmm. D- did this commander at the airport that turned these people away did he do so because he felt like you're not following our protocol i mean is this just another example of this authoritarian rule that liberals seem to be so fixated on Instead of instead of looking at success, my, my gosh, why in the world wouldn't you welcome them with open arms? Why wouldn't you look at them and say, I don't know how you got here, but come on in. 
with get in here quick before something happens to you. With proper vetting, of course. <laughs> well, these people were, were well, yeah, proper vetting. Like we, like we vet people that come into our country. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know how. Biden, I want to call him Biden, uh, which very appropriate. Yeah, but I, you know, Biden basically keeps every time he talks, he acts like every decision that's been made has been the military, and and then. Uh, but when know, it's time to take a bow, it's all his decision. Whether it be Jake Sullivan or or whoever, uh, which I guess Jake Sullivan's was national security advisor, which mm-hmm. you know I don't think he started shaving yet. But anyway. Um, the, the thing to the thing to me that they keep acting like we we have there's absolutely no way the military has been surprised of what was going on of the Taliban taking province after province after province there's absolutely no way they were survived if we can drill down uh, on two guys that planned a bombing attack in a car and shoot them out of the sky with a um, <laughs> with a drone with a drone with some uh, guy in Arizona flying it. There's no way in hell that they didn't know everything. They else. didn't know what was going yeah, on. Yeah. The th- thing about it is, he advised the Biden administration, and they did not like the political optics, plain and simple. And yeah. I hope some senior generals would say, "The heck with my retirement. The heck with my board compensation. I'm gonna get when I, you know, get on the board of General Dynamics or whoever, and call them out and tell the truth." Well, there is a lieutenant colonel, Stuart Scheller down in Camp Lejeune, who is basically walking away from a $2 million pension. We've got his audio. We're going to take a break. We'll play that when we get back. Stay with us. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. A a slight chance of a thunderstorm tonight before 10 p.m. Otherwise, Mostly clear with a low around 73. Tomorrow, more hot sunshine with a high near 70, uh, 96, 76, I wish. Um, tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low around 75. Then Wednesday, there's a chance of showers and thunderstorms. And uh, the storm really comes in on Wednesday evening. And uh, the good news is that will cool things down for the rest of the week. Of course, uh, we haven't even talked about the uh, Hurricane Ida that uh, came ashore last night. 16 years I think it was to the day. To the day, yep, sure was. And uh, this was more powerful than uh, Katrina was, I think. Was Katrina, uh, wasn't she a Hurricane 4? This was almost a Hurricane <laughs> yeah, 5. I don't think Katrina uh, made landfall this powerful, but I think Katrina was a bigger storm but, know, but this, size-wise. This, now, this is fascinating. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the mass, the, the mass the, of know, it. Across, you know, it was over top of, uh, over top of uh, New Orleans a lot longer. The interesting thing, though, the surge from the storm was so intense that it actually stopped the flow of the Mississippi River and caused the river to reverse. Mm-hmm. Much like, uh, of course, the Mississippi River obviously is a much bigger river than the Noose River, but that's what happened in the Noose River in Florence. Yeah, but can you imagine? I mean, at that point down there, how wide is the Mississippi River? It's a couple miles oh, wide. Yeah, it's real, real wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it reversed course. I actually, wow. I actually uh, during Hurricane Florence, which was what uh, fall of 2018, I actually uh, went and looked at the river and saw it going backwards. Going backwards, that was that was kind of weird. So before the break, you had mentioned the fact that uh, when are we going to get some uh, of these top brass to be willing to walk away from their retirement, their pension? 
And of course, I guess you have to, from, from what Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller said in this uh, video, I guess you have to have a full 20 years to be guaranteed of your pension. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Colonel uh, Scheller has been in for 17 years. He's in charge of the Advanced Infantry Training Battalion stationed at Camp Lejeune here in North Carolina. He has now been relieved of duty after putting it all on the line to call out the Biden administration and the Department of Defense leaders after the tragically flawed withdrawal disaster in Afghanistan. In a viral video posted to Facebook, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller questioned the wisdom of current leadership in a rather indignant speech, the video has been viewed and shared thousands of times, and it has been shared with the hierarchy who uh, took notice, and uh, yes, he has been relieved of duty. This is a little longer than we normally play, but I think it's worth listening to. This is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, Cup 4 Clark, and uh, this, is, this is why he has been relieved of duty. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine Corps, and the current Battalion Commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security, dealing with the mess that's going on there. I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with. Won't go into more details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time making it because i have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level and i want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders and i'll say as a person that's not at 20 years um, i feel like i have a lot to lose if you play chess you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables i thought through if, if i post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps. My, we'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media. And in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps. And I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago. The Commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. Then you go on to say that, you know, if we're we're struggling, we should should seek counseling, which, you know, I get it. People have killed people. Um, I've killed people, and I I seek counseling, um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down, and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the 
Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, wondering if it, all the lives were lost and, and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years. And he goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be, you know, good link, something like that. And what I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. That was Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. And interestingly, he has been relieved of duty, and he is not complaining. He realizes, in fact, he came out and said, I respect those in authority over me, and if I was in their shoes, I'd probably do the same thing that they're doing. Hmm. So the guy is of sound mind, but he is so convicted. I mean, he, he also said in, a, in a, uh, a post on social media that I love this country. This is where I'm going to raise my boys, and I want to teach them to be men. I'm going to do everything I can to defend this country. But what he is saying is what we have said, too. Could And, and so far we haven't seen anybody in the Biden administration that has openly admit that this was a royal screw-up. And that, that incompetence ruled the day. Or, if they're not going to admit that, is it because this is exactly what they wanted to happen? Mm-hmm. They wanted to get $85 billion in the hands of the enemy. I, and I, I don't know. I and, don't know. And, you know, my military friends that I talk to, um, they might have a dif- different perspective. but I, And some, some may, some may not. But this is a guy, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller that has only known war since his time in 17 years, you know, when when he volunteered, you know, there was an ongoing war. So he wasn't just, you know, volunteering just because he might thought it would be cool. I mean, he knew what he was getting himself into. I think served three or four combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're talking a battalion commander, which is made up of, I think, maybe five or six companies, which is about a thousand men. I mean, this is this sitting. <laughs> this guy's fairly high up on the chain. Absolutely, and um, you know, I believe in the chain of command. I believe your complaints go up, not down. I, I, but you would hope that someone in Washington, with four stars on their arm, 
would take those stars off and throw them to the table and said, I, de- I demand we do something differently. I'm, I'm not going to serve. I serve at the pleasure of the president. I, I, I will not serve. But, you know, you don't get that. No. And, you know, maybe it'll come out. Maybe someone will come to his defense if, he, if it's, you know, if he's not. Um, well, there'll be people that come to his defense. Now, whether or not there's anybody that come to his defense that can do anything about reinstating him and making sure he gets his pension, um, that is and and at questionable and at the same time i mean knowing nothing about him other than what you've seen in these two videos he's released um you don't know what the scars of war has has done to someone like that uh you know the casualties of war last for years yeah and oh, the uh, rest of your life yep and you know he's more than likely uh you know he said he knew knew some someone that was killed in this latest incident um you would think um if he had reached out, if he has reached out to someone above him and his above him, him and his chain of command, and they did nothing, then shame on them. You mentioned earlier that we had a drone that went in, and apparently, and, and the drone went in apparently and got a couple of the bad guys that were involved in the uh, bombing at the Kabbalah Airport. I, I don't know how we know that. I mean, that's what they're saying. That's what they're reporting. Look, I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't trust this president to not put out some propaganda piece to make him look good. But we do know this. We do know that a drone caused an explosion. It hit a car that was full of explosives, and it basically blew up a family of 10, including six children. And... You know, it's it's interesting. Barack Obama, his preference was drones over boots on the ground. And uh, when when you have that, yes, you put less of our military in danger on the short term. But on the long term, if you're blowing up people that are innocent, then once you get boots back on the ground, there's going to be a huge resentment to our military, to America. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, we are there now. How do you deal with what we have there? But you know, I, I go back in a lot of well, our, our founding fathers. You know, one one of their uh, one of their comments often was, you know, don't needlessly get involved in wars of other nations. Mm. And yeah, and we've heard the same thing from was Rand that the Monroe Paul Doctrine. And, was that the Monroe Doctrine? Well, I was part of it, but I mean, they, just I, just our founding fathers, mm-hmm. you know, as as a uh, well, George Washington certainly did, certainly, certainly said didn't that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rand Paul and Ron Paul have both said, you know, let's not get involved in these situations that we can't control. Uh, Afghanistan has been a disaster going back centuries for n- numerous countries, including Russia, including America. But uh, we're there, so now that we're there, how do we how do we deal with it? Well, we haven't de- dealt with it well. And again, this drone strike that uh, the Biden administration is uh, strutting around, proud of themselves for taking. They they say they took out a couple of the bad guys. I I, I don't know how we'll ever be able to verify that. Well, even the most you know precision drone strikes, there's there's risk of collateral damage. Um, and, and I guarantee you right now we have people behind, away from the airport, 
in the midst of people in Afghanistan that are there and willingly there in the clandestine services. There's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that there's people there that they, they're risking their life for intel even today. I, they're, not, they're not out. Well, but. we hope that the higher-ups in the Biden administration don't know about it because they would probably <laughs> somehow go in and screw it up. I'm sorry. Well, my, my cynicism is at 110%. Well, if it's like Benghazi, um, if they fear some kind of political, the political optics of, you know, what's going to happen? question is, what's going to happen a week from now? And God forbid this happens. But we have a live streaming event of Americans being beheaded by the Taliban. And what is Joe Biden going to do then? Pray that that doesn't happen, but uh, that that is not beyond the uh, possibilities. But but I hope tomorrow at the White House uh, press briefing, I hope Jen Psaki, <laughs> I hope she calls on Peter Ducey. She'll probably ignore him. I, I would and, think and she'll ignore him for her, the next couple of weeks. Remind her of his, how did she say it, his reckless... Um, <laughs> Use of the word stranded? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're stranded because... Our four-star general just said today they were. <laughs> well, remember that um, Biden came out and said, we will not leave Afghanistan until every American is out. I mean, he just said this a couple of weeks ago. He didn't remember it, though. <laughs> All fairness, he doesn't remember it. <laughs> so Joe Biden was at the uh, dignified transfer of the U.S. service members at Dover Air Force Base on Sunday with family members in attendance. Um the family of Lance Corporal Riley McCullum. His sister was there. His father was there. McCullum's wife, Jenna McCullum, was there. Uh, only the wife, Jenna, went to meet with Joe Biden. And believe it or not, uh, and by the way, she's expecting the couple's first child next month. Um, mm. She left and she said she was disappointed. Once again, the president brings up his son, Bo. <laughs> according to her account, describing the son's military service and his subsequent death from cancer. It struck the family as scripted and shallow, a conversation that lasted only a couple of minutes, in total disregard to our Marine, Royce said. You can't F up as bad as he did and say you're sorry, Royce said of the president. This did not need to happen, and everyone and every life is on his hands. The White House declined comment. Of course it is. I mean, this guy, you know, he can't even say how sorry I am that you've lost your husband. He's got he's got to be. The, I mean, this is a narcissist. He has got to be the center of attention. Oh, don't you feel bad for me because I lost my son, Bo? Oh, you lost your husband. Well, I lost my son, Bo. Let's talk about that. I mean, it's no different than, you know, over the years, I mean, he's he. I mean, he just has a reputation for embellishing things, and he always puts the focus on him. Talks about the many honorary degrees that they that he didn't get that he didn't get, and at a time when you're there to console someone that's lost a loved one in battle, um, and, and just to bring up yourself is just that, that just tells all about his character, plain and simple. Uh, he's also under uh, a lot of social media attacks for looking at his watch, which was pretty obvious that he did as as he's, you know, looking, standing at attention. He's got to look down and check what time it is. You know, I've got to uh, my nap starts in 15 minutes. So I've got to get out of here. If Jill's smart, um, she'll get that watch and she'll go lock it up or yeah. something. Smash with a hammer. 
Did you see? He was with the prime minister of um, the new prime minister, Naftali Bennett of Israel. Mm-mm, I didn't see that. Over the weekend. And the prime minister of Israel is talking to the president, you know, the typical political talk that every prime minister, I mean, Netanyahu had to do it with Obama, basically mm-hmm. had to kiss his rear end about how wonderful they are and how, you know, we are so appreciative of America. And he's talking, Joe Biden's sound asleep. <laughs> he's sitting in the chair in the Oval <laughs> Office, and the guy's, the prime minister of Israel is starting out looking at Joe Biden, talking and thanking and giving all these, you know, platitudes and and then he notices that Joe Biden sounds asleep, so he turns to the reporters that are there and starts talking to them and said, now apparently at some point Joe came, woke hmm. back up, but he was sound asleep. They better get him some caffeine gum or something. Hey, we've got to take a time out when we come back. Joe Biden has done it again. He has stuck his foot not only in his mouth, it's halfway down his throat. We'll tell you why when we get back. <laughs> Your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So we are all very familiar with uh, Cousin Eddie, a.k.a. Joe Biden's numerous racist statement. In fact, let's go down memory lane. Cut to Clark. Do you have that ready? Here we go. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So fully, am I, I'm not joking. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Yeah, and that's mm. just for starters. I mean, remember... I think he said even before Obama picked him to be his running mate, when he, he, he brought out his admiration for Obama, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he basically said, um, this is pretty close, uh, that he admired Obama. He said, for the first time, we have an, an articulate, good-looking black man. I mean, he's clean, he clean. said. Yeah. He's attractive. I mean, this is storybook. And don't forget his, you know, we're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna lock you up. Comment, lock you up in chains. Well, he has done it again, and this might be, this might be one of. Um, he's got many, but this will certainly make the top ten. Earlier today, Biden held a press conference on Hurricane Ida. His response during his presser, a visibly confused Joe Biden was forced to ask his advisor, uh, Cedric, uh, who we're we going to next. Biden then referred to Cedric Richmond, one of his senior advisors. This guy's a 47-year-old black man. Joe Biden refers to him as boy. Good afternoon, everybody. We're waiting for a few more people to get on, but we're going to get started, if that's okay with you all. And thanks for joining me. I'm here. uh, uh, The FEMA director is on. uh, uh, FEMA Director Chris Wells, she, she's on, and I'm here with uh, with my senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very, very well, man, and, and New Orleans, and, and uh, Cedric Richmond. Boy that knows Louisiana really well, Cedric Richmond. 
47 years old. Now, look. He, okay, was it a slip of the lip? Biden is 78, you know. 78? Yeah, I think that's right. 77 or 8. Comes so. across as 88. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. now, now, okay, it's a slip of the lip. My, my grandmother yeah. at 88 could handle a press conference better than him. Can you imagine if if Donald Trump or any any conservative oh my would have said what mm. he just said? And people, you know, ah, oh, Tom, you're making too much of it. No, what I'm trying to make of it is the fact that if a conservative had said the same thing, they would run him out of office. If it was Donald Trump, I would say, <clears throat> absent a ter- uh, terrorist attack that just happened in the afternoon, it would be the first story on the news. Oh yeah, if Donald oh, Trump yeah. said that, it, it it would supersede a terrorist attack. <laughs> Stay with us; we'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So last week, General Motors said it was recalling all of its Chevy Bolt electric vehicles sold worldwide to fix a battery problem that could cause fires. The recall of uh, these and other lithium-ion batteries, which are used in all electric vehicles, Ford, BMW, Hyundai, uh, they've all been recalled recently. Joe Biden will need electric vehicles to reach his goal of cutting greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 as a part of a broader effort. And everybody's talking about, you know, this is how we're going to go in the future. And yet we still don't have the real. I mean, we've, we've got some cars that are, you know, electric that you recharge. And I, I realize this is the early stage. But here, here's the $73,000 question. And by the way, they've recalled 73,000 bolts. <laughs> How much greenhouse gas emission does a Chevy bolt put out when it catches on fire? Hmm. <laughs> and what are you going to do with the batteries when they die? I mean, aren't they going to, isn't that going to be a yeah, and what does problem? It, what does it take to, um, what is it, lithium, to get the lithium out of the yeah. ground to make the batteries? Yeah. Yeah, look at the carbon emissions And how that. much fossil fuels do we burn to make the electricity to charge the cars? Yeah, we're only, um, what, uh, 30% between 28, 30% renewable at best? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, to make scam. a long story short, uh, it makes you feel good to go out and buy one, but uh, make sure you park it outside in case it catches on fire. You don't want to burn down your house when your garage catches on fire. Do some virtue signaling. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Make yourself feel good. You and you and Joe. Hey, um, now, if you own an electric car, we still love you. Keep listening. <laughs> hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. Keep praying for America. Thank you. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.